This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, Bills Mafia. We know there's only one topic every day. All bills all the time. And now Matt Bovey and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. Yeah, it is always game day in Buffalo, and unfortunately it's the offseason in Buffalo, at least for the Buffalo Bills, Sal Capaccio. Matt Bovey, welcome in. Matt, it is right now, we are recording here, 9.25 p.m. on a, uh, what night is tonight? Tuesday night, right? Is it Tuesday night? Yeah, Wednesday night. What is it today? Okay, Tuesday. Anyway, I lose track of time. Anyway, the point is, I seem a bit edgy. I just watched Syracuse basketball lose a game they totally shouldn't have to Boston College. I was totally into it, and I, I'm passionate about Syracuse basketball. And now I'm just like edgy the rest of the night because I'm mad. I'm frustrated. You get like that sometimes, right? Maybe the Sabers or whoever. Um, let's see. No, not really anything sports related anymore. Really? Obviously, I get really anxious when I'm tied to the bills or I guess in a lesser extent, the Sabres of not knowing what's going to, I don't like not knowing like a clear game plan of, I was really on edge the last day of the regular season in Miami because I didn't know what the next couple days of my life looks like. And then obviously right. once you get to the playoffs, that's the same thing. No, not edgy though. There's nothing. I don't care about any sports teams enough at this point that I, I think I would be edgy about a loss. Yeah. Well, I'm edgy. So, Hoping not to be combative here in this next, you know, forty no. minutes. The good, talk, the good, the good news for you is that if the basketball season doesn't go according to plan, you'll have the football <laughs> season with the greatest quarterback in the world leading the Syracuse Orange next year. Who's that? I don't know that guy who I said, "Why is it a big deal that he's coming?" That we had oh. that weird debate on the podcast. I don't no, know well, his it was name. The- Oh, 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 you mean the, the kid from Ohio State? Yeah, I forgot his name already. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah, that's um, what I mean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah how good is I'm he? You don't even remember his name. <laughs> no, it's, I'm, yeah, I know, right? I'm thinking about it. Wait a minute. Because there was um, there were some other people and names and things, and I was thinking about the head coach. And Brandon Brown. I'm so mad. I'm so mad about the, the loss, the basketball loss. But we're going to turn the page and talk is about it, Buffalo basketball. basketball. Yeah, John Scott's, basketball John Scott's like- a big fan. Go ahead. Basketball teams okay this year. Syracuse basketball, they're good. Oh, well, like they're they're they live the bubble life again, right? It's like are they gonna make it or not make it? They're on the outside looking in, but they've done some nice things, and then uh-huh. they go to BC and lose to a bad Boston College team. And, oh, here we go again, right? I mean, it just stinks. So yeah, Bonaventure Bonaventure had a nice win tonight. They were down like yes. twenty or something at the half, or right before the half, and then they came back and won. So that's, I guess, a little bit of Big Four basketball that is going well. <laughs> I guess so. And by the way, yeah, that's right. Mark Schmidt always does a great job. Doesn't matter what kind of, kind of team he has. All right. So some big news on the Bills coaching front, you know, over the last several days that we got to get to, we haven't touched on yet. Let's start with the biggest of news, I would say. And that is Bobby Babich is the new defensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills. That's not to take away anything from Joe Brady, offensive coordinator, but it was a position he was already in, essentially. This now for Bobby Babich is an elevation from linebackers coach. We have two big questions that need to be answered. One, we're probably just curious about the other will majorly impact the Buffalo bills. So let's start with that one. 
we don't know yet if he's going to call plays or not. Is this just him being elevated in title, Matt? Is this him going to call plays? We haven't heard anything from the organization yet about that. What do you expect to happen? When do we expect to find out to you? I, I don't think we'll find out until the combine, probably, mm-hmm. unless there's some sort of interview that happens prior to that with either McDermott or with Babbage himself. I don't know. I wish I had a better answer here to say like, oh, I think this is going to be what happens and here's why. I could see it going both ways, me too. which to me tells me maybe there's something where they meet in the middle. Maybe Sean is the primary play caller, but there are times when Babbage does it, and this is part of a transition period for him to eventually take over the full-time play calling duties. The thing with me is I like the idea of the Babbage hire because I like that you're keeping that guy within your organization. I also think that he has proven that he can get the most out of his players, and that's you know like number one, two, and three, the most important things as far as a football coach is concerned. I also like that it doesn't let him leave, especially to go to a competitor. If he was interviewing for the Miami Dolphins job for the defensive coordinator or the Giants or the Packers, like it was reported out there. So I think there's a lot of different things to it. He's also, I like the youth movement with the team. We'll talk about Joe Brady later. I like that now it's not Sean McDermott surrounding himself with Rick Dennison and Leslie Frazier. It's Sean McDermott as the veteran coach with Joe Brady and Bobby Babbage. So I, I like a lot of the different aspects to it, and it re- that won't change if he's the play caller or if he isn't the play caller, because to me, at the end of the day, that's not – it's a big deal, but it's not something that sways my opinion on the move. Because it's Sean McDermott's defense anyway, right? I mean – Yeah, exactly. And he'll, he'll kind of be overseeing it, even if he's not directly calling the plays. I could even see – I could see this. I don't know if this is going to happen. Just kind of put it out there. I could see McDermott saying, look, I'm going to call plays, but I have no problem transitioning to Bobby calling plays at some point, and we're going to work through that. I think that could happen as well. Um, I could see some sort of hybrid situation, not meaning like every other game, but maybe Sean feels, hey, I'm going to be the play caller until I'm comfortable with Bobby doing it. He's good with that setup, and he's going to kind of transition into that role at some point. We just don't know when that's going to be. And I say that because let's remember what McDermott said last year when he took on the D.C. role, essentially, even though it wasn't by official title, he was the defensive coordinator. He said going into OTAs, he told us, Matt, hey, I have no problem handing this off if I feel that it's too much for me. I will do that. And I think this could be the same kind of situation where maybe he feels, hey, let's go into the season. Let's start OTAs, minicamp. Let's do it this way. And at some point, if he feels, you know what, Bobby's going to be really good at this and he can handle it. I can give give the play calling duties on Sunday to him. The only reason that I think maybe Babbage ends up calling the plays is because even though it's a promotion, and I'm sure it's obviously a step up for him in his coaching career, it's probably more money, it's probably all of those different things, I wonder if he was actually a serious candidate with any of those other teams, why he would have taken this job if he's not calling plays. So that's, to me, the thing in the back of my head that keeps telling me, well, maybe he is calling plays. Maybe Sean McDermott is going to kind of hand the keys to the car over to him and say, all right, dude, this is now your show. I'll be here to help you with whatever you need, and I can kind of help you, guide you in the right direction, but we're going to learn on the fly here. So uh, I, I just don't know, and, and I don't know if we'll ever really know until the season gets here because they'll probably tell us when we talk to them at the Combine that they're looking into what's best for the team and that it's a very fluid situation. Yeah, and I agree with you that that's very well possible that maybe he was going to get an offer from one of these teams. And he said, look, I need to you know, do this. What I would say, though, is I don't think the Bills should make a move simply for that reason. I think you have to be convinced that he's going to be good at it and that Sean McDermott mm-hmm. feels comfortable doing it. That's, I don't yeah. think, you know, if, if, if let's just say the Dolphins said, you know what, we're about to make you an offer to be our defensive coordinator and play caller. The Bills obviously don't want to lose Bobby Babbage. He's an excellent coach. I mean, look at the resume, right? And just so people know, I mean, two all-pros at safety in Hyde and Poyer one year. He goes then to linebackers. He gets an all-pro in Matt Milano working under him. Then he has Tremaine Edmonds having his best season. He gets paid. And then we all know what happened with Terrell Bernard. You don't want to lose a guy like that out of your building. But Mm -hmm. I also think you don't just elevate him to a spot if you're not comfortable with him just because you might lose him, if that makes sense. No, for sure. He got this job because of his resume and because of the way his team responds to him. They love that guy in the locker room. That's why he got the job. The added bonus to the job is that you're keeping him away from other teams that are trying to get him. But that should not have been a factor in the decision. It's just a, oh, and by the way, Miami doesn't get this really bright, young, defensive-minded coach who we think could be a real star in this league. 
and and knows our system, right? And knows Buffalo's yeah. system. If it goes to Miami, that's twice mm-hmm. a year. You got to face one of your disciples, but essentially, who knows your system inside and out. And just for a little bit more background for people, I'm sure a lot of people know Bob Babich. His dad was a the Bills linebackers coach until Bobby took over. Bob Babich, senior. He was the defensive coordinator of the Bears team that went to the Super Bowl back in the mid-2000s. This guy was so well-respected by Brian freaking Erlocker that Erlocker asked him to present him to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. This is the kind of bloodlines we're talking about here and the lineage we're talking about for a guy like Bobby Babich. I think he is a he's a football lifer. He started his coaching career as a grad assistant at Kent State. He's very young. He's I think he's only 40 right now, right? And he's no, been he's in the 30, league. He's 37. 37, thank you. I mean, he's been in the league yeah. for – quite a while i mean this is a guy that's really put some time in me. you're right he's he's 40 i'm sorry he's 40 okay i'm sorry he's so he's 40. 40 okay yeah either way but this is a guy too that we already saw like tyrell dodson posted hey this is the best coach i've ever played for yeah well i mean when you've got players who are saying that and obviously if tyrell dodson saying that i've had matt milano say on multiple occasions give praise to bobby babbage yep. obviously the safeties Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde have been very adamant about Bobby Babich and what he has meant to them over the course of their careers. That's another layer, too. It's not the most important layer, but he's a very liked guy in the locker room. I think Joe Brady was, too, and I think that, obviously, the sample size with Joe Brady is a lot smaller than it was for Bobby Babich because of a couple different things. One, longevity, and two, because he's been at multiple positions and not just quarterback and then eventually offensive coordinator. So I think that this is going to be a move that is very well responded to within that organization and that people should be excited about. I I think that it is cool to see them kind of start to use these young, fresh, exciting coaching candidates as opposed to these. I understand the argument of, especially in the offensive side, well, there's other guys out there. There's guys with more experience. Why are you just promoting from within if it hasn't led you to success? I still think that this has changed, and I still think that there's positive upside with both of these moves. Yeah, for sure. And I read in a tweet, and I'm going to actually um, give the credit to the person who tweeted this because they tweeted at me. The Bills, actually, their coordinator's combined age uh-huh. is the second youngest in the league for their two coordinators' combined age. How about that? That's yeah. pretty amazing. Next to only the Arizona Cardinals. Let's remember when Sean McDermott came into the Bills in 2017, it was, as you mentioned earlier, Rick Tennyson excuse me, was 58 at the time, and Leslie Frazier was 57 at the time. Now, at that time, McDermott's coming in. He doesn't. You know, he's got to piece together a staff. It's his first year. After his, In his second year, he kind of started to get more of the people that he wanted in, but you're right. It's a mm-hmm. kind of a change in the philosophy and the the what the makeup is of the coaching staff and who's making decisions. And let's stay on the defensive side real quick before we get to the offense and Joe Brady. Eric Washington leaves, defensive yeah. line coach, assistant head coach, goes to the Chicago Bears. Good for Eric Washington. I think he's a very good teacher. I love watching him coach. I always wander over to the defensive line area where he's coaching and teaching. And he always, to me, was a guy who was very real, well respected as a teacher. I enjoyed watching that. But I want to put to bed the notion of, this is a lateral move just because he's not calling plays. Look, I mean, this is the next step. Just like Bobby Babich, the next step for anybody who wants to be a head coach is to go from a position coach to a coordinator. The assistant head coach title can really go to almost anybody on staff. It's somebody who just knows kind of how the, the ship is run. If the head coach isn't there, they can kind of take over duties for a day or whatever it is. But this is not a lateral move. This is a move for Eric Washington to try to become a head coach in the league. This will be his own unit to run, even though he's not calling plays and good for him. And that's why, you know, a guy like that takes a job like that. Yeah, no, I think so too. I think this goes back to the last episode where we were talking about kind of who would be next up in the hierarchy. Is it Eric Washington? Is it Bobby Babich? Well, it turns out we were basically both right because the Bills promoted Bobby Babich and Eric Washington went out to get his own defensive coordinator job, even if he's not going to be calling the plays there. I don't know if there's anybody who's next in line to be. Honestly, we don't even know if Matthew Smiley is going to be on this coaching staff or not, but he would have been the person who immediately came to mind as the next in line to be the assistant head coach. But yeah, no, I I just think that it's kind of what we expected, right? I thought that Bobby Babbage would get the job and Eric Washington would stay. I didn't know that he was going to get a defensive coordinator job. But at the end of the day, I like the Bills coaching staff better now than I think I did when their season ended, which is a good sign. 
By the way, it was Colton Pankowitz who sent me that. And he also actually wrote that Babbage was 37, which is maybe where you got it from, from that stat. But it still didn't change the stat that they're the second youngest coordinator duo in the league, which is really good. Also, on this whole note, I, I... can I be snarky for a second? Can I do? I told you I was a little on edge, right? Can I be snarky for a second? Not with you. I, just think, in, yeah. I think you're going to say the same snarky comment that I was going to say. The exact same snarky comment. Can we, uh, doesn't this, I mean, can we stop with the, oh, everybody leaves McDermott. Uh, a lateral move. All these people are rushing you out of the building. Mm-hmm. Bobby Babbage is staying. He's a good young mind. You know who else has stayed for a long time? Kelly Skipper, Rob Boris, John Butler. The list goes on. The Buffalo Bills, their coaching staff has the same amount of, of attrition, I would guess, than almost any coaching staff in the league. And when you're successful, people leave and they go and get promotions. And sometimes other people go because they just want different opportunities. Or maybe they do have some sort of personality clash with the head coach. That can happen too. But you know what? How about all the people that actually stayed with Sean McDermott for the last six or seven years? Yeah, I was going to say, I think that it's really a good sign for the Bills and for Sean McDermott that they're two probably youngest, brightest coaches that they had on their staff were the two guys who they were able to retain. Now they promoted both of them, but I think they've both earned promotions, especially Bobby Babbage for the time that he has put in. He has really done a lot with the positions that he's coached. And for Joe Brady, it's kind of a no-brainer after the interim stuff just because of the Bills offense, even though I think people have that lasting impression. The last game is the one that everybody remembers, but my goodness, look at the last... I'm not... This has been something that I think has been said by a lot of people on social media. I am not saying the season is successful because the Ravens lost and I'm comparing the Bills to the Ravens. I'm just saying I think the Chiefs defense is really freaking good and the Bills were able to move the ball and put up points at a much easier rate and consistent rate than the Ravens were able to. So I, I like the trajectory of both the offense and defense, and I think that Brady and Babbage are the right guys to do that. And yeah, for sure, to your point, it's a, a really good sign that McDermott is able to retain those two guys because I would imagine they had a lot of other options. All right, let's dig into Joe Brady, now the full-time offensive coordinator. Hey, it's Sal Capaccio from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of your day, your weekly source for all things Buffalo Bills. Right on time, your time. In the car, navigate the streets with NFL wisdom in your ear. We accompany every errand you need to run. Washing the windows or vacuuming the carpets? Don't just clean, conquer. Podcasts make you more productive because we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow It's Always Game Day in Buffalo in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So it was interesting to me, Matt, how both these situations played out quite differently, right? Which is the Bills needed an offensive coordinator, but they already had a guy in-house that was doing the job, and they kind of moved quickly to do that. They had one interview, as far as I know, that's with Thad Lewis, former Bills uh-huh. quarterback, for the offensive coordinator position. And I think they only maybe had one interview for the defensive coordinator job, but it just took a little while to get there. I guess a few extra days, but it seemed like it was pretty swift. It seemed like there was really no debate, and honestly, Joe Brady did have that one interview not like Babbage having three. And it felt like this was just going to happen all along. They just needed to go through the process. Yeah, for sure. And I think, I mean, the Joe Brady interview was a head coaching interview. It wasn't even an right. offensive coordinator right. interview, which is pretty ridiculous. I think from the way they talked about it, Deion Dawkins, when they're cleaning out their lockers, said, I think we're going to see Joe again. Josh Allen talking about it like it was almost a foregone conclusion. 
nobody could say it because the process had to play itself out, but I got the sense that it was kind of always going to be Joe Brady's job if he wanted it. And I think that it is a good sign that he wanted the job because like we said earlier, he probably, even though he had that one head coaching interview, I would imagine that's a guy who could have had his options if he did not want to stay in Buffalo or if he didn't like the trajectory for himself or for the team. Yeah, for sure. But now it gets asked. Right? The quite natural next question is, okay, you have Joe Brady's in-house. You can kind of keep building off what you had. But let's remember, he was essentially, I would guess, running pretty much Ken Dorsey's offense and then sprinkling in maybe some stuff he wanted to do differently, massaging some things. I wonder how much the offense changes, if at all, because – Joe Brady's not Ken Dorsey. He came from a different mm-hmm. tree. He was doing his own thing. He was a coordinator, a passing game coordinator for that great LSU team several years ago with Burrow mm-hmm. and, Ch- and, and Chase and those guys. And then Je- uh, Jefferson. Jefferson and, then he and goes, Clyde Edwards. Yeah, right, exactly, <laughs> right? And the list goes on. And then goes to Carolina. He's a coordinator there. Comes to Buffalo. This is not somebody who came up you know, with mm-hmm. Ken Dorsey necessarily. So I do wonder how all of that mixes in. Like, is Josh Allen going to have to learn a new system? He's never had to really learn a new system as long as Ken Dorsey was also running Brian Dable's stuff. I think it'll probably be a similar system with different tweaks. I, I don't mm-hmm. think the philosophy will be completely different than it was the last several weeks because even if he was using somebody else's kind of playbook basically if he's using Ken Dorsey's playbook you kind of could get a sense of what he liked and what he didn't like and that was a little bit more balanced than they had had maybe not as much usage from a top wide receiver or not having your offense solely go through that number one person so I think that we can kind of take the philosophies of what we've seen during the last nine games where he was the you know play caller and say okay it's going to be a lot of that but maybe there's just going to be a couple different wrinkles here and there i that was the one thing that was so impressive to me was how he was able to take a game plan and completely manipulate it based off of the different opponents that they had and i think that's ultimately we talked about that when they got rid of ken dorsey is the job of an offensive coordinator to get the most out of your guy well it's a lot of different things but is what's more right. important Is it to do what you do, or is it to attack a weakness of your opponent? And I think for the Bills, that's what they did a really good job of doing for the majority of the two months that he was here. I agree with that. I did some numbers as well. Ken Dorsey, under Ken Dorsey, the Bills' offense turned it over 17 times in nine games. Under Joe Brady, they turned it over nine times in seven games. Now, some of that is happenstance and luck, right? I mean... Mm -hmm. James Cook gets the ball ripped out from his belly, you know, uh-huh. going down the first play of the game. Gabe Davis has it go off his hands on a good throw from Josh Allen. But I do think there's something to be said for there were just too many critical mistakes that were being made under Ken Dorsey, which is why, you know, part of the package of why you had to make the change. And yes, there were some critical mistakes made under Joe Brady. They were certainly not perfect. The last game, especially a couple drop passes. But I do think they decreased those number of critical mistakes that they made in games that allowed them to win six of their last seven and five in a row. I think that Joe Brady, I'm basing this off of the very small sample size. I feel like it might just be a little bit more consistent. I think Ken Dorsey's offense had potential and flashes where they were absolutely unbelievable. I think back to the Dolphins game where they scored 48 points, but then they lay an egg the next week in London and have... I think seven or 10 points up until the last five minutes of the game. So it felt like that was a little bit more up and down with Ken Dorsey and with Brady, it was a little bit more consistent. There wasn't any of those games where you threw up 48 points. I think his highest output might've been 34 and that might've come in a loss. I think that, that was the overtime game against the, the, um, the yeah, the overtime, overtime game, game the Eagles. Then they had the 32 the following week, I think against the Jets. You're right. Look, I mean, they started off, they scored <laughs> scored some big points early in the year in some games, Raiders, Dolphins, 20.5 points a game over a six-week stretch from weeks five through 10 until he ultimately was fired. I think you bring up a great point about the difference between the two. It's funny. I went on our Odyssey sister station, The Fan in Cleveland, and I had somebody else from Cleveland email me some questions, and it's all about you know, Ken Dorsey. What did he do well? What did he not do well? Because Ken Dorsey has now been hired as the offensive coordinator yeah. of Cleveland, even though he won't be calling plays. Kevin Stefanski will be. And that's exactly what I said. So you tell me you think I was right when I've said, you t- like, is this the right response if someone asked you? Because I've been asked and I said, look, to me, his biggest failing was it seemed like he did not specifically game plan enough and just said, hey, we're going to do what we do and make the other team stop us. And I think that hurt them um, of several times. But the other thing, 
I think we kept hearing from players, Matt, they were having too much on their plate. They kept talking about simplifying things and, you know, trimming things down. And I think that's maybe why those critical mistakes I bring up, maybe that's why it didn't happen as much under Brady because they were just a little more focused on the execution than trying to do too much. With Joe Brady, they averaged 27 points a game. I just did the math quickly while you were talking about that. I also was on Cleveland TV and the question was asked about Ken Dorsey, like, is it a good hire? And my answer was, it's a good hire if he understands like what he has and the best way of using it and how to attack his opponents. And I think that because Defansky is so good at that, I also think there's something to be said too. He was learning on the job. That is a yeah. very hard thing to do. That's why Joe Brady should be set up for success easier because he was an offensive coordinator in Carolina and he had nine games as an interim offensive coordinator in Buffalo. So it's not like he is learning how to do an entirely new job. It's him trying to make the tweaks for a new job. I think that the way that you said it is a good way of saying it. I just never felt like the Bills were comfortable with Joe Brady. It felt like they were always just making Ken little mistakes. Yes, sorry, sorry. I just never felt like they were comfortable with Ken Dorsey. And for some reason, I know coaching changes often give you a little bit of a boost. It felt like once Joe Brady took over, it just looked a little bit more comfortable. They looked a little bit more confident, and that led to seven more points a game. And there's something to the energy point that Sean McDermott brought up. And he's just not the most energetic dude, Ken Dorsey. And that's okay. Everybody's got their own personality. But you, he's more of a kind of a straight-line guy. You know, you don't, he doesn't, doesn't really smile a lot. You don't see that kind of thing. He's very competitive. We know that. But Joe Brady brings a totally different personality. So, you know, it doesn't – you can win with some. You can lose with some. It doesn't matter necessarily or mean anything. But it is a different departure and a different kind of personality. Well, can I, I take a look thing? at the – yeah, go ahead. Can I say ahead. one thing? Yeah. What you just said – doesn't matter if you're winning. If you're winning, that stuff doesn't matter. But if you're not winning, you need somebody who can get the most out of their guys, who can bring the juice, who can bring the energy, and somebody that they can like, you know, really buy into. And that's one of the reasons why I think Joe Brady worked and Ken Dorsey during his year and a half didn't, because that was the, you know, that was the mo. It was like, okay, even Keel. I mean, remember. Maybe there's no direct correlation to this whatsoever, but I remember sitting there in that Josh Allen press conference when he was talking about the low positive and just almost being shocked of like, what is happening right now? Yeah. Like, I don't, Josh Allen talking about being low positive and not trying to let of his emotions range too much. I was like, that's why Josh Allen is Josh Allen. And right. I don't know really. if that was a Ken Dorsey thing or if that was just a him thing or if he was talking to Aaron Rodgers too. I don't know the answer to that, but. I feel like Josh Allen is at his best when he's screaming at the top of his lungs and, you know, trying to run through people. That's when he's the best. So Joe Brady let him do that. And that's why in the second half of the year, the offense was so much better. Let's uh, wrap the coaching stuff up on a couple of different things. Number one, no, no change with special teams. Matthew Smiley, as far as we know, uh -huh. is still the special teams coordinator. There's been no announcement. Now, his assistant special teams co uh, coordinator, Cody Harkey, has apparently been interviewed for a special teams job. I, my, the name you might remember. Some One of the teams requested an interview, apparently. That's what I read. But are you surprised that there was no change with the special teams coordinator, um, given some of the struggles that unit had this year? No, but I also don't know if because it hasn't happened yet, it won't happen. Like That could be something right. that happens down the road. Maybe, but maybe, maybe depending on who shakes free from other teams, exactly. you, do, you never know, right? I, I just think that Sean really does think it's execution, not poor coaching. Yeah. Like, you know, Matt Smiley isn't telling Tyler Bass, go miss this kick. Tyler Bass just misses right. the kick. Matthew Smiley can put in a good coverage plan for a kick, and then somebody blows an assignment, and all of a sudden there's a gap, and they give up a touchdown to the New England Patriots on the first play of the game. So I thought that maybe he would kind of be the fall guy, but at the same time, I don't know if there needs to be a fall guy because they are also switching coordinators on both sides of the ball. Well, promoting both guys on both sides of the ball. So there are changes. It's not like you have to do a change for this for just for the sake of doing the change. No, that's right. And the other thing I would say, the, the, McDermott said something that I think was a very key indicator when he met with us at the end of the season. And, and it is true. But he said all the injuries really did impact special teams a lot because now you're moving guys from special teams to bigger roles on offense and defense, especially defense. And that's where you're getting bulkier special teams. So now you have to use different players, even on those units that might not be in uh -huh. those positions. Right. So, you know, 
that I think that can be something something they've looked at. So we'll see. You're right. I mean, it's not completely set. We don't know. A lot of times, you know, you'll get changes right around the combine time. The other thing with coaching real quick is now the Bills still have to, you know, replace Eric Washington on the D-line and probably a quarterback's coach. I think yeah. even though he didn't have the title, I think Mike Shula was pretty much coaching the quarterbacks, wasn't he? Towards the end of the yeah. season when Brady was there. And then they and then they hired, remember they hired a guy, his name escapes me from the University of Buffalo, had worked with Joe Brady. But Shula had been a little bit more involved, I think, from what I can see. And he's obviously a candidate. So is Kyle Shermer. Kyle Shermer played quarterback. Um, you know, in college, I think a little bit in the NFL, and he's an offensive quality control coach. So they have a couple of guys on staff who can do that. And then when it comes to uh defensive line, uh I uh hard, West Marcus West, I believe that's the assistant defensive line coach. He would probably be the natural to move into that role if they want for Eric Washington. Is there a possibility that the Thad Lewis interview, while I'm sure was a legitimate interview for the offensive coordinator job, could also have been to gauge interest in potentially a quarterback coach job? Because sure. if you're, you know what I mean? Like if you're sitting there and you don't know what's going to happen with the Bucks and you don't know what happens with Baker Mayfield, maybe that's, even though it's a lateral move, it's a move from a team with quarterback questions to a team that has one of the... So to me, when I saw that, that was also one of the things that I thought. I was like, ah, maybe this means that he would come be the quarterback's coach here. I I don't know. It's just kind of thinking out loud here. No, no, I, I think it's always possible, right? You get to know somebody, and you talk about all these different roles and things. Hey, if it doesn't work out, if you don't get a coordinator job, what's your... What's your intentions? What do you want to do? What if we have an opening here for a, a different role? All those things can happen. So in the next couple of weeks, I'm, sh- I'm sure we're going to get a lot of answers to these questions. All right. The NFL itself had some major coaching changes and news, and Matt and I have some rankings we need to get to. All right, Matt, here we are on January 30th, calendar about to turn to February, the season about to turn to 2024, and it appears Bill Belichick is left without a chair in the game of musical chairs and the music has stopped. It is Mm -hmm. amazing to think that Bill Belichick will probably not have a job this year. And to me, that signals he's not going to get a job after that. I can't see anyone hiring him at 72 years old after a year off if they're not going to hire him now. We just talked about the Bills need a defensive line coach. Get Bill on the phone. (laughs) Right. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, he's not Bill. Come on. Hey, Bill, come on down. Be a defensive line coach. Bill Belichick wants the NFL head coaching. You want the wins. Yes. He's not going to get it. I you said you knew I was being sarcastic, right? Yes, of course. Yes, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, no, I don't think he's going to get it unless the Commanders get desperate. I mean, the people that we thought were going to end up with the Commanders and the Seahawks are now turning down at least the Commanders. So maybe the Commanders make him an offer. I know that he wasn't somebody who was talked about, but. I don't know. You got a new owner. Maybe you can try and get him here for a couple of years, try and win back some of the fan base a little bit after all the disastrous years there and see if you could just kind of bridge the gap with him. But I, I just, I don't know if that would be the most intriguing thing to him. I bet he would love the Seattle job because the Seahawks are at least close to winning, but it doesn't seem like they're there's, interested in him either. There's no way Seattle's moving on from Pete Carroll to Bill Belichick. There's just no way, right? You're not going from a... you're. They, I think they want to get younger and newer is what they want. I mean, you'd yeah. be doing the exact same thing. You'd be, yeah, you'd but, be older, defensive-minded head coach who still has a lot of energy and juice. Uh-huh. And Pete Carroll, you know, for Bill Belichick, it doesn't seem like it. So I don't think so. It looks like it's going to be, to me, it looks like Mike McDonald and Dan Quinn are very much in the running of some of these jobs or some other people uh-huh. in, as well. But that's where, because Ben Johnson, by the way, Ben Johnson, how about that? Not taking the commander's job for whatever reason. Maybe he priced himself out or whatever it is. but. A little bit of an upset there that he's not going to get a head coaching job. You know who he reminds me of? I think we talked about this guy on another pod. Lou, excuse me, Lou Anarumo. Anarumo. I always say it wrong. Lou Anarumo, who last year was the hot candidate, didn't get a job. And then this year, nobody talked about him. I mean, Ben Johnson could very well get a job next year, or maybe nobody talks about him next year if they don't have the same kind of season. Yeah, it just maybe makes you wonder how desirable that command. It's still a head coaching job, though. Even if it's not a desirable job, it's still a job as a head coach. There's only 32. There's only 32 of them. It seems like McDonald is going to be the Seahawks guy, right? Like that makes way too much sense for both sides. But I don't know what the commanders are going to do. And that's why I'm not going to rule out Belichick yet, because I I think there's in Washington, there's at least a chance there. I believe they did. um, They did. I'm sorry. Interview Dan Quinn a second time. 
uh, commanders did from what I read from a Josina Anderson. So we'll see where that goes. There are some other people, you know, still, you know, in the mix over there. So that's interesting. Um, what other teams, uh, Dave Canales with the Panthers goes from the bucks. I don't know. It doesn't seem like they're kind of just treading on water and moving quicksand basically. Um, Raheem Morris. That's the upset one that Belichick doesn't get the Falcons job. Raheem Morris gets the Falcons job from the Rams. A lot of praise for Raheem Morris. So, that's uh-huh. kind of been the, the, I think that was the domino that fell in the upset, you know, around the coaching ranks. Yeah, for sure. That was the one that I think we all kind of thought Atlanta was going to be where Belichick ended up. Yep. And Morris gets the job, and that's one that immediately gets praised by a lot of different people. It's almost the exact opposite of, not that, I mean, Bill Belichick by many people is the greatest coach of all time, but it's the exact opposite mindset of trying to get younger, fresher, new ideas, as opposed to a guy who is trying to win the most games ever from an NFL head coach. So very different. Gerard Gerard Mayo gets the um, Patriots head coaching job. They still don't have an actual GM. I don't know what Mm -hmm. their structure is going to be, but they're the only team without a GM. And that's, that's an interesting note for the bills because Terrence Gray did interview for two, two GM posts. He interviewed for the LA chargers, and the Las Vegas Raiders. They have since hired people. The Raiders, they hire former Chargers GM and Buffalo native Tom Telesco. Uh-huh. And the Chargers, they've hired uh, Joe Horitz, uh, Horditz, who comes from one Baltimore. Harbaugh, the other Harbaugh, right? He goes from Baltimore uh, to L.A. And then Commanders, Adam Peters. And how about Dan Morgan, our guy uh, in Buffalo? It was always great dealing with Dan Morgan. Uh, good for uh-huh. him. He's now the general manager of the Panthers. Yeah, what a stacked little group that they had for a while, right? It was yeah. Brandon Bean, it was Joe Shane, it was Dan Morgan, it was Terrence Gray. Terrence is getting GM interviews now. Brandon's obviously still a GM. Joe Shane's a GM. Uh, Dan Morgan's a GM. Like that was Brian a Brian really Bean became group. a GM and came back. Brian, yeah, like that is a very impressive group that they had in that front office, which makes sense because they had so much success. Well, yeah relative but they had a lot of success over those last couple of years my favorite one and i know you briefly alluded to it is harbaugh i think harbaugh is a heck of a hire for the chargers whether you like him or not is has nothing to do with the conversation i just think that he's a winner and i think going to a team that has justin herbert is going to get the most out of that division or out of that team in that division. And by the way maybe and by the way maybe that means that the chiefs get a loss or two extra along the way right and that could really kind of impact what happens in the AFC seating. And I agree with you. Jim Harbaugh will be very good for the Chargers. Um, we'll see where it goes. And, you know, they have some massaging that roster and the salary cap to do, obviously. Are you surprised Mike Vrabel never got a job? And maybe maybe the commanders turned to him. I don't know. I, I wonder if, he, if Ben Johnson can turn down the commanders, Mike Vrabel can turn down the commanders, even though Ben Johnson might be the more it name right now. I think Mike Vrabel... It's different because Bill Belichick probably can't sit out a year because of what he's trying to accomplish and because of his age. Mike Vrabel can. Mike Vrabel can say, I don't like any of these jobs. I'm going to go talk on one of the networks for a year, and then we can all circle back to me in a year because he is still so young. So I could see him doing that as opposed to, I don't want to say settling for a job because it is still a very exclusive job. I think he could be better suited just kind of hanging out for a year. Speaking of television... I actually think Belichick could be good on the desk. I think Belichick could oh, yeah. be insightful and good in television. And I, I'm not super excited about Brady being an analyst. I'm interested. I'm intrigued. He could be great at it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I like Greg Olson. There's a lot of talk about Brady taking over for Olson on Fox. I think Belichick would be really good on the desk. I don't know if Brady would be very good in the booth. I don't know yet either. I'm just kind of assuming he'll be good because he's pretty good at a lot of other things. I really liked Greg Olson though. So I'm yeah. going to be interested to see where he lands because that is a a big time addition for any of the networks. If he stays at Fox and he's their number 2 guy, that's I guess, you know, just crappy that it ended up playing out that way because Tom Brady is Tom Brady, but I think the other networks will be trying big time to get Olson. The only other thing is where do you go? Right? Like ESPN's got their crew with Buck and Aikman and CBS has their crew with Nance and Romo and now Fox has their crew. So, and you know, it's not like NBC is moving on from Collinsworth. So no, I wonder what happens. Are we sure Al Michaels is going to continue with Amazon? I think he's coming back. I don't know. And then what happens if you have, and and I know, and I know he's the play-by-play guy, but then what happens? uh Do they keep Herb Street? It was like, do they, you know, change the whole thing, the dynamic? I don't know, but you're right. It's probably not, there's probably not a spot there. So and there's no guarantee they don't keep Greg Olson on Greg Olson on in that role, but you're paying Tom Brady so much money that he probably does become 
you know, that number one guy at Fox. So, and I'll give him a chance. I'll listen and I'll watch, but yeah. it just feels to me like, you know, I guess what I'm saying is I'm, I think Belichick might be better in that role on television if they give it to him and maybe not, but you know, I've, there's been a lot of things, but Belichick and Saban on a coach cast. That would be pretty cool. I think that they'd be, they'd do good there. I think, I think Belichick could do really well on one of the studio shows just yeah. because I think that that would be a setting where he would be able to expand upon some of his thoughts and try and yeah. share some of the insight and the reasoning behind why something happens and why something doesn't. I have a quick chiefs question for you that okay. I haven't really thought a bunch about, but is there a possibility that if the Chiefs win, Travis Kelsey retires? Oh, absolutely. Actually, I think it happens. I think Travis Kelsey retires regardless. How about that I mean, for a take? That's my prediction. I think well, Travis Kelsey's retiring along with his brother. We go we go out to the oh wow, that's a good that's a good point. We go and we talk about the Harbaugh thing, and it's like, well, maybe that hands the Chiefs one or two more losses. Nobody should be writing off the Chiefs because they have the no. best player on the planet. But Travis Kelsey's their, well, Chris Jones is their second best player, but he's their third best player and has been their far and away most important weapon offensively. If they don't have him, they've got money to spend in the offseason, but their team could look so drastically yeah. different next year, which makes the this week, these next week and a half, that much more intriguing to me as we get ready for the Super Bowl. No doubt. All right. We promised rankings. What do you got for me? We were talking about it on the news on Tuesday because I said February is the worst month of the year. And so I, I want you to give me your three least favorite months and your three favorite months. Okay. I thought about this because you gave me a clue that you might ask me, and I want to have a little bit of at least a heads up. Okay. I agree with you. February is the worst. Mm -hmm. I don't like February. No. Now, I would like February a lot more if the Sabres were good but they're just not. And every year for the last 10 to 12 years now, they haven't been good. It would be a lot better if they were, but February is generally like cold and dreary and snowy. And we just can't get out of it fast enough, which by the way, which is good. because it only has 28 days this year, 29, but February for sure. There's, you know, football season's over. I mean, unless the bills are in the super bowl, which they haven't been in 30 years, <laughs> you know, I, I just, mm -hmm. I can't get behind February. Uh, my second least favorite, believe it or not, I landed on November. And Whoa. Whoa. I know. I, I know. Whoa. I landed that in November. Is, that is crazy to me. Okay. The reason for November is I feel I, I get sad when college football winds down. And I know I don't have many more Saturdays of college football. And like towards the end of November, you're like, oh man, like college football's over already. Like every Saturday, you know? Eh. And then the weather's turning for football games in Buffalo and it's going to get colder and sidelines. I'm thinking, okay, what? A, got to start preparing for some of this colder weather I'm going to be getting. Um, yeah, and then there's just a lot going on, which is usually not a bad thing, but a lot of times the schedules get mixed. I, I'm, I'm wondering, what am I doing? Where am I going? What am I doing? Those kinds of things with the schedule. I'm not. I'm talking about a life schedule here, not just a football schedule. Uh -huh. And finally, my third, my third least favorite, I'm going to go with May. May okay. is kind of like the bridge to get me from, okay, spring is coming, April, and then all right, we need to get there. We need to get to summer. And there's really not a lot going on in sports in May. I mean, NHL Stanley Cup playoffs, I guess. But, you know, mm -hmm. the schedule comes out in football. We're waiting. It's a lot of waiting in May. It's waiting for the weather to turn. It's waiting for the sports calendar to turn. It's waiting for summer to arrive. So those are my least three. I'll give you my best three in a minute. What's your least three? Okay, my least three are February is my least favorite. Yep. I've gone back and forth between January and March is my like what one would be my second least. That doesn't mean all three in a row are going to be spoiler alert. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go with March. It feels like March just drags. Now, the the easy rebuttal will be, well, what about March Madness? And my right. answer will be, well, March Madness doesn't start until like March 25th. So it's the end of the month anyway. And See, that's not for, that's wait, wait, that's for. I'm a college basketball junkie kind of March Madness yeah, starts early March with bas with tournaments all over the country with conferences. <laughs> yeah, I, I know, but I'm not watching. I just I don't even know. I don't even know the name of the Syracuse quarterback. <laughs> you think I'm watching the I Big East tournament, <laughs> whether it's whatever. And then this it. is my this is my hot take, pun intended here. My third least favorite month is August. I think that August is the end of summer. 
and the anticipation Whoa. for everything is always more f- <laughs> like right like once oh. you get to august you're like oh no summer's done my thing is right when you get to the erie county fair summer is coming to an end our <sighs> lives get crazy because of training camp so august is I, it's not i that like is, a lot of th- august is a good thing it's my third favorite you have st john fisher hanging out going to marges yeah. golfing at all those great golf courses we have yep. you're getting away a little bit you're enjoying the weather and uh-huh. it's, football season's here it's preseason i'm getting excited about where i'm going every other weekend yeah. now and yeah august is my third favorite month man because of all that you're a golfer uh, yeah i just it's it's to me it's tough because you get so excited about summer it happens so fast and then you get to august and summer's already done and then you're like, okay, well, now we are shifting into fall mode. And fall is my favorite time of the year, so I don't have any issue with that. I just feel like August, there's also the anticipation for football, right? Like, I'm excited yeah. for September, for the fall, for football to start. And it feels like those days just last a little bit longer because the carrot out in front of us all is the actual football season. I just, I'm not a huge August guy. Okay, well, maybe we have the same number one because my number two is July. I mean, it's hot. Fourth of July, I got I got my son's playing travel baseball. I'm coaching. I get to go to these cool places, watch the kids play mm-hmm. baseball. In the meantime, take vacations. We have a dead period before training camp begins. Kind of can do a lot. And then training camp begins, and I love it. We're going to Fisher. We're doing all those other things. I'm playing golf. I love July. July, hot weather. Yes, give me baseball. Mm-hmm. Give me golf. Give me training camp starting. I love July as number two. And number one, I'm going to go with September. Easy, right? Start a football yep. season, but also, Matt, I know that your beautiful young daughter isn't in school yet, but when she does huh? go to school, you're going to be like, yeah. oh, yes, September's here, and I get a little huh? more time because she's got to go to school. My third favorite month would be June or July. I'll say July for the sake of the year. I love the 4th of July, get some time off, really just like the middle of the summer, the peak of summer, love July. My number two was in your three least favorite. It's November. November. I I love november i think that november has for me all the sports i care about i I just don't watch college football a ton so college football coming to an end doesn't change anything for me it's when football games in the nfl start to matter hockey is back the nba is back it's for me thanksgiving's probably my favorite holiday and then you mix in i'm also a christmas guy Christmas season starts way earlier now than it ever did. So right, I yeah. can start listening to Christmas music without any Christmas shame music. on November 1st if I wanted to. I'm not going to, but you know, sources say November 10th was when it started this past year. <laughs> so if I'm listening to a little bit of holiday music, I've got Thanksgiving. I've still got all of the anticipation of the holiday season because that's what, at the end of the day, the anticipation is almost always better than the actual thing. So the anticipation of Christmas, all that time during November is awesome. So November is my second favorite month. And then my first favorite month is obviously September. September is an elite in We're Western there. New York. Both the weather in September, yes. we can. Yes. It's nice. I am a fan temperature wise of you know i always know that jeremy white likes to say like the hoodie and the shorts for me it's fall is elite if i can go golfing and wear a quarter zip and shorts i'm totally happy sit out by a fire it's still not super dark super early just everything about september is awesome okay i have a ranking for you before we get out of here four four things to rank here okay Uh sure this isn't the first time you've been asked this is all-star weekend NHL All-Star Game, uh-huh. and uh, NFL, flag football, now all the All-Star Games. Rank All-Star Weekends, All-Star Events, not just the games. You got NHL, you got to include the skills comp, the game, everything. Yeah. NFL, you got to include everything around that. MLB, Home Run Derby, all that. NBA, skills comp, everything. Rank am, I going, am I going bottom to top or top Whatever to you want to do. You can go four through one. Yes, bottom to top. Four through one. Number four is... The Pro Bowl. Number three is the NHL. Number two is Major League Baseball. Number one is the NBA. That's wow. how I would order. Mine is, I'm not thinking about the actual games. I'm thinking about the right. stuff that comes with the, the games. Yeah. And for me, there's nothing that's super exciting about the Pro Bowl. There's no events where I'm like, ooh, I need to see that. 
So that's why, to me, it's there. That's all it's it is also, now is events. They don't even have a game anymore, really. It's that's just what I mean. Game, right? And it's also the timing of it is so different compared to the other yeah. ones, where the other ones are in the middle of the season. This is between the end of – and not even the best players play. Like Josh Allen right. is golfing instead of going to the Pro Bowl this year again. So it's not even the top-tier talent. So for me, the Pro Bowl is number four. The NHL is number three just because even though I'm a hockey guy, I like the skills competition, don't care about the game at all. Number two, I love the home run derby. The home run derby might actually be my favorite overall thing. Okay. The only reason I gave the only reason I gave the nod to number one is because I can think off the top of my head of more dunk contest moments than home run derby moments. And I actually will watch the NBA All-Star game just because it's fun. Right, watching those teams score 180 points is fun. Um, I'm gonna struggle. I'm gonna agree with you. MLB is number one, and football is number four. I, I, I go back and forth between hockey and basketball because I could watch a bunch of one or the other, or not watch a bunch of one or the other. This year's NHL All Star Skills Competition apparently is different. They're gonna have just 12 guys, eight competitions amongst the 12 for some sort of you know, ranking and tiers. So, and mm -hmm. then they're going to, I don't know exactly. And they're playing for a prize. So we'll see how that works out. I think the NHL skills competition is really cool. I think the NBA back in the day was amazing, but it's kind of gotten a little stale, but they brought some different things back. So, you know, they've changed some stuff over the years. So I don't know, I guess I'll go, I guess I'll go NBA still two, NHL three, but I'm interested in what the NHL is going to do this year too. So my, I don't, I don't uh, mind it. my, almost i guess preference has completely changed i love hockey hockey is mm -hmm. something that i love so much but i very rarely just sit down and watch hockey games anymore like if i'm sitting <laughs> right. if i'm sitting on my couch and I, I watch every sabers game if i'm there if i'm not there i watch every single sabers game but besides that if it's a wednesday and yep. the stars and devils are playing i am more likely to watch an nba game i just if i'm going to sit there and watch sports I, I know some people love college basketball. It's not something that I care about, right? But or really care about. But for me, like I just now find myself turning on the NBA if I'm just looking for something. Because you know I'm I'm working on my laptop. I'm looking sure. at my phone. I'm not paying a ton of attention. I'd rather have I think a, a basketball game on in the background than a hockey game, which is completely different than how I was for most of my life. I, I think that's interesting and understandable in a lot of ways. I would. I, if, given anything that's just on, I would put a college basketball game on the background before NBA or hockey. And then it would depend on the NBA teams. I like the Lakers. I follow them. But depending on the teams, if it's two high-level teams, a couple stars, I'd put the NBA on. But otherwise, I'd put maybe hockey on before that if it's not. So I agree with you. I, I understand that. I would say, and I think you're different, you don't really watch baseball. I do watch every Yankees game, essentially. and if I'm, But I'm not necessarily watching all the time. I have it on somewhere in my house when they're playing all the time. So remember on the last episode, how we were talking about baseball and I told you that my brother-in-law watches the highlights of every game. So after yes. the episode posted, he texted me and he says, I haven't missed a highlight of a baseball game in two full years, 9,000, 9,720 games total. I bet he's very That's good at fantasy baseball. Yeah, probably. I mean, he was, I think he was, he was very good at real baseball. So I'm sure I, fantasy baseball is one of those other ones. I only play fantasy football because it feels like all the other ones are way too much. I know you can set the lineup at the beginning yeah. of the week and then just adjust. I, that feels like way too much work. Fantasy football, hey, we, nothing else. Hey, we got to go. Uh, we thank Mike Robbie, our producer. We have a lot more content coming your way, and it's always game day in Buffalo. Stick with us all offseason. Matt and I are going to be doing. A lot of these, obviously, as we take into the combine, the owners' meetings, the NFL draft, everything along the way. And I'm sure the next time we talk, we'll have a lot more Bills news to get to as well, Matt. I mean, um, who knows? I mean, uh, by that time, maybe we'll know if Bobby Babbage is calling plays. By the time we talk next, I have no idea how that's all going to work if, out. Or if Bill Belichick is the new defensive line coach. <laughs> that's right. Keep an eye out for that. Thanks a lot for tuning in. It's always game day in Buffalo.